Hi there, this is Emily Williams, Disability Advisor for the Diocese of Leicester, and you're listening to the Disability in the Church podcast, a place where I chat to different guests all about disability inclusion within the Christian church. I hope this will be a place where we can learn together, make mistakes together, and spark new ideas together. This episode was recorded remotely during the UK lockdown, therefore the sound quality might not be as good as normal, but the content is still fab. Let's get started. the podcast. Today I'm joined by Alex Scott and Helen Feathers, both from Holy Trinity Leicester. Uh, I've known Helen for a year or so now, thanks to all the brilliant ministries that she's involved with at HTL. Um, and I feel like I know Alex from a new wine world, mainly from, I think, Boulder Gang, probably. Um, would you both like to introduce yourself to uh, listeners first? Okay, I'm Helen. Um, I'm married to Luke and we have two girls, one age 20, one 18. Um, Our younger daughter has Down syndrome and ADHD and lots of sensory issues going on. Um, She's uh, fantastic. She's gone to school today in high heels and a swishy dress. (laughs) Very, very attractive today. Um, Hobbies, um, I really like um, outdoor swimming. Um, I play the violin, I like gardening, um, they're the things I've managed to keep going through lockdown, um, oh and eating cake, I managed to keep that going. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I've been in Leicester about, um, well I was just born here, um, or near here, so probably about 18 years, and um, yeah, about Holy Trinity for about 13 or 14 of those years. Brilliant, yeah. Alex. Okay, yeah, my name's Alex. Uh, I'm married to Anne. Uh, I've got two children as well. Uh, One, a good friend of Helen's eldest. uh, And so my daughter, Georgina, she's 90. She's doing a gap year with Holy Trinity Brompton at the moment. But in these strange times, they're doing that remotely from Leicester uh, since Christmas. Uh, I've got a son, Sam, uh, who is uh, 17 and is doing his A-levels. like you say, I've been working for Holy Trinity for, I'm now their longest member of staff. I've been working there for uh, over 20 years now. Wow. Uh, and exactly, yeah, a long time looking to draw my pension soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've, uh, prior to that, I was a teacher. Uh, my hobbies, I like cycling. And uh, actually in a strange sort of coincidental way, uh, my cycling buddy is uh, Helen's husband, Luke. So I like to go out doing long country cycles and we're still allowed to do uh, uh, exercise with one other person. So Luke and I oh, are how lovely. Leicestershire. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, what we do. Uh, you asked about our sort of journey with, um, with inclusion and so forth. And yeah, one story I'd like to share with that, which has just been a great blessing is that my eldest brother, Andrew, who uh, had sort of walked away from faith when he was in his teens. Uh, He had a a son, Matthew, his second child, uh, who was profoundly autistic. And this sort of like became evident during his first year of life, uh, developed no language skills uh, and really continued to function at the level of uh, somewhere between a one and a two year old um, and still has continued to do so, even though he's now in his twenties. And, uh, Andrew and his wife Claire uh, and his eldest Amy uh, obviously loved Matthew but struggled with uh, how to uh, cope with uh, this uh, this boy with his uh, additional needs and uh, 
the real blessing in this was that when Matthew went to an additional needs school at five, uh, the teacher there happened to be a Christian and invited Andrew and his wife to their Baptist church uh, and said, look, if nothing else, it's another hour of respite. And they ran a fantastic inclusion group at the Baptist church with about six or seven members to it. And Matthew became a member of that. Amy started going along to the kids work. Claire and Andrew started going along to Alpha there. Uh, and uh, it was beautiful that uh, all of them now are part of that church uh, and have come to faith there through that. Uh, and that also sparked in Andrew a, a desire to work with children of additional needs. And he stepped out of his uh, work in advertising uh, and moved uh, across to become an additional needs teacher and uh, has then taught at the school that Matthew uh, went through. So that really opened up my eyes uh, to what a good inclusion work can do within a church. What a lovely uh, and example. Also of... uh, opened up my eyes to additional needs, really, uh, as yeah, I yeah. sort of saw Andrew and Claire's uh, uh, adaptation of life to, to accommodate Matthew's needs. What a lovely example of church family and supporting the whole family, not just one individual child. Um, thank you for showing that. That's a lovely example of how, I guess, your journey to understanding inclusion and why it's important to you, Alex. What is more of HTL's journey, I guess? Um, yeah, so again, that started even before we joined the church. And I said I've worked for the church for over 20 years. I've been a member of the church now, I think, for 26 years, something like that. Uh, and when I first joined the church, I was working with uh, kids uh, with just on a monthly basis. They uh, had this idea, which uh, we've stopped since then, of shutting down all of the kids' work and throwing them all together in one large group once a month to give the leaders a, a week off. Uh, and personally, I don't think it really worked, but <laughs> what was going on there was that uh, there were uh, a number of children who were also thrown into that group who had additional needs. And uh, I remember it going wrong one week yeah. when uh, a lovely girl uh, who had been assigned to Ruth's Runaway Roosters was the group, uh, spontaneous group name we'd called. Oh, how delightful. It said Ruth's Runaway Roosters on her, on her jumper. Uh, she managed to run away from the church during coffee without her parents or anyone noticing. Uh, and we ended up with the whole church scouring Leicester. So uh, we that sort of, again, heightened within Trinity the need for uh, to really take good care of the yeah. kids we had with additional needs. Uh, we did find her. Uh, she'd uh, managed to get to the clock tower, which if you know the distance between Trinity in the clock tower, she'd got quite away. That uh, is quite away. That's yeah, scary. She, she had the time of her life uh, and uh, <laughs> no, no harm done, but it did make us sort of start to realise, yeah, we really need to uh, look after and provide for, and if nothing else, safeguard the children in our church better, uh, yeah. regardless of their needs. And so, yeah, inclusion really started then. Um, as my... Uh, as I've then come into role as uh, looking after kids and youth 20 years ago, uh, that's been on my radar and it's been something I've tried to do. And then as Helen joined the church, I think Helen, you've done fantastically in really increasing our understanding, increasing our provision. Uh, and um, the church I think has been on a journey really across the last sort of 25, 30 years. Mm. So to help, um, help myself, help people listening, build an image, um, 
let's have a chat about what is going on kind of now. Obviously, I'm aware we're talking about like a pre-COVID world <laughs> and a current world. Um, but let's just talk about pre-COVID, when church was uh, in the building, when church was before a pandemic. Um, what services on a Sunday, Helen, what, what happened? What did the inclusion work look like on a Sunday? Well, um, so we started off really small, um, perhaps my daughter had the most um, noticeable needs. Uh, and so um, uh, from her needing some support, we gradually over the past few years have, have, have added to our um, picking up and helping supporting children and developing a team alongside that. So what it looks like a bit on a Sunday is um, a group of people who um, are assigned to young people uh, in lots of different ways because the, the kind of the support they give or the, the, the space that they need or the resources that they need, it's all just um, shaped around each individual child. Um, so in a way, it's not like, it doesn't look the same every week uh, because it's even for a child, it kind of develops and changes as that child develops and changes. Um, so um, a couple of stories. One, we had, um, we have still a boy um, who uh, has autism and lots of sensory stuff attached to that. And um, it's very, very attached to his mum. And he really needed to be close to his mum and his mum really, really wanted to be in church. But this young chap, he, he couldn't cope with uh, other people's gaze uh, hit their eyes or, or, or looking at or at him he really struggled with that so um what we developed you know week by week chatting to his mom um watching him seeing what made him feel comfortable what didn't make him feel comfortable um a really nice lady in the church made a, a tp tent for him and um we shifted chairs and it was near the front so his mom could be near the front and um, so it wasn't hidden away at the back or to the side or anything, it was just kind of quite sort of central and, um, and uh, towards the front. So that meant that he was hidden from people's gaze uh, and um, he could look out when he wanted to. He was close to his mom. And he could, eat, sometimes he would even use his phone to kind of stick out of the TP and have a little look at what was going on. And you know, whatever meant that he felt he was there, uh, but he, felt safe and able to join in and how he wanted to um and that was that's such a little thing to do but it had tremendous um, consequences for him and then from there see things don't stay static so from there um he then moved into going out with his group because he didn't leave the church at those at that stage he would stay in when the other kids went out we gradually um got him to come with his group but he would um, he would play football just outside in a, in a safe section um, with one of our teenage guys and um, and me <laughs> and we would kick a ball about and uh, and then we would gradually start oh, right. yeah <laughs> not bad actually and then uh, we would go uh, we would go in as and when he felt he wanted to we would just literally go in the door and. He could watch um, from the door or he would go in and, you know, and then we just started, discovered that if we put a screen up, which meant he could go in 
he could sit behind the screen and be in the room and taking part in some of the, the stuff that he wanted to take part in. He would look around the screen, pick mine as much as he wanted to. And then gradually we made the screen smaller and smaller and then he felt safe to be in it. So it's always developing and always changing. Um, and then uh, another um, example is um, a young girl um, uh, who is adopted and um, she, she really struggled with the first 20 minutes of church. Okay. Um, I think she was about four. I actually think she was about four. Um, was yeah, and, um, and, and what, what I noticed, because the thing you might learn is that you might not, parents might not come to you and say, oh, please, can you help me? I think my child has some additional needs and I think we really could do with some support here. What you might notice is that parents leave. So yeah, when the yeah. child starts to struggle they very quietly and rather embarrassedly sometimes that's what I used to do anyway we just sneak out the back um or they might sneak off to a different space or they might go and sit in a, in a you know outside or something I spent a year at a previous church walking around the outside of the building with my daughter so and I never spoke to anybody so um so if you have your eyes peeled you might notice some little things like that happening um and uh, for for this little girl it was um the sensory stuff of people arriving, the church filling up, it was noisy. Everybody was, they were all settling down, but she was becoming more and more stimulated by the, the noise and the sounds of the microphones. And, um, you know, and some children would be free to run around. Um, so through chatting to the parents who were really tired at this stage, um, we found another teenage girl who had fabulous long hair really had a heart for you know looking out for her children um and um she instead of this this uh will it work won't it work uncertainty every every sunday morning um they we put in place that they would go to this particular space they would brush hair they would paint nails they would chat they would listen to some music they would chill or dress up and then at the end of that she was really ready to be in her Sunday school group with her age appropriate you know playing around friends when she moved up a group again we had to like think about that transition time and put more support in because of the changes a different room different expectations on the children and um, some new children mm -hmm. so everything adapts and goes along and is fluid and um and that means that there will be weeks where it doesn't go very well because it means you're hitting a a new thing and that's okay because it's a learning thing okay well, this hasn't worked what what do we need to just slide in here for this to be okay for this child what what do we perhaps need to take out of here for this to work for this child why is this room not feeling so good for this child you know so um so it's very kind of organic and keeps going and keeps going that's lovely i love how it's so individual focused and uh, like you say fluid it's always changing compared to like dependent on the needs depending on the child depending on which children show up that Sunday um that's lovely yeah can I put some structure around that as well because well, yeah do I'm very airy fairy go for it Alex <laughs> <laughs> so some of the things we've had that uh, we've got uh, we've got a, a rotor of about 70 people who are involved in kids work and youth work across the church. I know it's, it's a full place family, which we'll never come across on an audio, but yeah, <laughs> it's quite amazing. Uh, 
but that means that we're not burning people out. So people are only involved maybe uh, every other week, something of that nature. But then um, what we've uh, also done is alongside that, we've then developed a, a rotor of people who are prepared to come and help with kids one-to-one. -one. And so we've uh, been able to place with kids who are in the group, but are struggling within the group, one-to-one uh, -one leaders. And Helen referenced uh, one of the lads who uh, walked alongside someone playing football with them outside, coming into the group with them, another girl who walked alongside at the second story. Uh, and those people have been part of that uh, rotor of one-to-one -one people who've worked alongside and enabled kids to be able to access uh, a group and really get the best out of it. Uh, whether that's then maybe drawing the story as the leaders uh, telling the story for the rest of the group or whatever that looks like to enable that uh, child or young person to access the group. And that works uh, from kids uh, from in our groups from naught to twos right up to uh, into our 14 to 18s work that we've got people who've sat alongside others. We then also, uh, Helen mentioned her own daughter, uh, and for a time we had a, a group which was just for children of additional needs. Um, but because um, some children need a really light touch um, and they, they just need like a safe person sitting in with them that can, like Alex was saying, you might, we have a, a, a young man that can't read or write, um, so, but his skill or his way of expressing, because he has very deep thoughts on faith. And what, and what he thinks about Jesus and way beyond these years, really. And his expression, you know, the way he expresses it is like through drawing it or modeling it. He speaks, he talks completely, you know, but um, the written word is, is, is really challenging for him. Mm. So um, the presence of one of our team means that he's able to access in his way and communicate how he wants to by showing what he's done and talking about what he thinks. Um, with confidence um, and then say so my daughter she's not been able to um, take part in any of the groups but through um, having a separate uh, Sunday school um, so her journey has been through um, running rings around leaders and driving them bananas when she was little and was uncontainable um, through to um, she was baptised um, just over a, a year, well two years ago now, I've kind of lost a year with the pandemic yeah, two years. Um, and her journey has been of um, a, a small team of people who have, have been on that rotor and have taught her separately mm. and, um, and one of the things I think is really important is um, the character of the people that are involved in the team, that, well, that's the same for everything, isn't it? But the character is important because people can learn the skills and can learn like ideas and new strategies from people. Um, because her relationships with two of those teenage girls that worked with her has carried on into real friendship. And, um, and I didn't ever think Emma would have real friendships with people who didn't have a learning disability and she, and she does. So um, those two um, girls are now young women and they're, they're studying, but they ring Emma weekly, you know, to talk to her. And, uh, and Emma knows exactly what day of the week, oh yes, yeah, so-and-so's ringing me this day and so-and-so's ringing me that day. And it's been a real relationship. And that, that relationship, those relationships have been vital for her own faith growing. And now she's in a little discipleship group with another young man with Down syndrome that we run. They have their own cell group. 
um, and they are, you know, we're reading the Bible and um, and doing real discipleship stuff because he also has a great faith. So, um, and that's yeah. what we're from children into them being young adults. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, it has. Uh, and we're seeing more and more of that need as more and more of our children with additional needs are managing to make it all the way through the church. And I'm glad to say that we are now able to do that into uh, adulthood. Uh, and how um, I'm just struck by, I think what I'm hearing is having that team, in your case, quite big numbers, but actually it could just be three or four people in, in a smaller church yeah. that are willing to walk alongside children and families and just have that authentic relationship allows for that adaptability and the fluidity and the kind of week to week changing what do we need to get play-doh out this week to make the story do we need to get uh, a big ball out and physically do something and get rid of some of that energy or some of that sensory output um so having that team of people be that 70 be that two or three really yeah. enables that doesn't it Mm. Alex from a leadership perspective does having uh children and now young adults um in your building in your services does that impact how uh services are planned or is it more that services are planned and then adapted later how does that work from a from a big picture point of view not necessarily yourself but the big the bigger leadership team that are doing the Sunday services yeah I think This podcast and other resources are created voluntarily to help encourage churches to become more accessible to those with disabilities. Emily would love to give more to her role as disability advisor. One simple way to support her in this is to visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Emily Williams. Essentially, you donate the cost of a brew from your local coffee shop. You can even commit to it monthly. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Emily Williams. Thank you for any support you can give. Yeah, I think, uh, I, yeah, I was thinking about this and I think we've still got a way to go mm. on this. And mm. so I don't think we're, we're the done deal there at all. I think uh, probably most service leaders, most preachers are not uh, really thinking about inclusion uh, at the very outset of what they're doing. I think though, uh, as a church, uh, we've got a lot of different people with a lot of different learning styles. And so I think we've become quite visual often as a, a a means of communication and uh, there's a, a sense of connecting with people through lots of different learning styles throughout the service leading and throughout the teaching and so that that means that in some ways we are sort of subconsciously addressing some of the uh, needs of that but I think that um, it isn't at the forefront of our mind like Helen said uh, obviously we, at the moment we're just all on online mm. uh, but uh, when we were in the building uh, we uh, have done different things for different people to enable them to uh, to be able to participate whether that was uh, a lad with autism in his uh, late teens who uh, actually found it easier to uh, be part of the church if he was behind the sound desk although he wasn't really perhaps any particularly useful behind the sound desk that enabled him to connect into the church whether that's uh, having uh, people sit outside in the foyer and listening through the speakers because that enables them to be able to be free to roam and have someone with them who is able to help them to connect uh, 
work, like Helen said, with uh, younger kids uh, pre-service or early part of service because there is just too much going on in this big building with lots of people in it. Um, there's we, lots of different approaches for different people to enable them to engage. And the, the TP again is another example of that, but I don't think it's at the very forefront uh, of, uh, of our church uh, planning to sort of say, how do we make everything accessible? Yeah, yeah. We've got a way to go there. I mean, thank you for your honesty on that. It's not, that's not necessarily the nicest thing to, to say, but I guarantee that every other church would say the same. It's um, quite often, that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is until something kind of, you stumble across something, unless you've got a family link, quite often inclusion is something that unfortunately people just don't think about automatically. And that's part of what I want this podcast to change. Um, so thank you for being honest with that and sharing that. Um, although to encourage you, just that you're, there is an awareness of different learning styles in itself will be helping to people to engage. If you're trying to address all those different senses, even if you're only hitting two or three of them now, but maybe in six months, you'll start including a fourth and a couple of months later, another one, like just, in, just to try and engage all the different learning styles is in itself a way of trying to be inclusive. Um, yeah. And that's part of what um, we as disability advisors try to teach is that it doesn't always have to be big, fancy, expensive solutions. Um, sometimes, like you say, really simple, having visual aids, be that a PowerPoint, that doesn't have to be something personal to each individual, a PowerPoint, some videos, some question and answers, a time to reflect, a time to take notes, all of those things that don't seem like fancy inclusion aids actually do make a massive difference um so just be encouraged by that don't beat yourselves up too much um you mentioned earlier helen um that you've got um your your daughter and i believe you mentioned her friend marcus are doing a um a do doing a small group they've both got additional needs and so as adults and teaching them as adults and it being age appropriate they are now in a in a cell group or a small group i'm not sure what how phrase you guys use um what does that look like how what was the vision and thinking behind it and then how does that play out every week currently online i suppose well um well of course like everything else it's on uh zoom uh which uh, works remarkably well considering you know um considering the limitations of it um well having been emma's mom i was aware that um she was now an adult really and uh um and marcus also is a couple of years older than her and they have giftings like everybody else who's a mm. christian and believes in jesus has giftings so marcus um they won't mind me talking about him it's okay to talk about him um is uh gifted in prayer so much he is such a prayer and um and in prophecy and uh emma has a, an evangelistic heart very much and such a joy in jesus she absolutely loves him with all her heart um and we thought, oh, how are they going to, where are they going to go with this? And how are they going to be encouraged? And how are they going to be taught? Because now they're being discipled. It's not about we're teaching children anymore. 
they, they're, they're Christians and how are they going to grow as Christians and how are they going to serve God in the church and how are they going to reach others and be part of the big um, growing of the kingdom and saving people. So um, we, we decided, I've got a couple of um, other helpers and um, who are, um, it turns out that they're speech therapists. So they've got a kind of insight into, um, you know, well, people with limited sort of communication skills or something or whatever um and we um we meet on zoom fortnightly on a sunday afternoon we, we at the moment we're using some kind of animated um little stories um and then we are using those and uh, to start us off on on what our theme of that week will be and uh and then we're with discussions and um talking to each other and trying to embed it in real life experiences we're working through what it means to be a christian so what characteristics will jesus grow in us you know how are we going to become um really thankful are we going to become generous are we going to show our love for god by doing this or so um we're doing it like that and um it's amazing so um i think we realized we needed it because Marcus used to come to our grown-up cell group that like the pet you know there was the, there's a cell group for um in church and he was part of that and I really noticed that he struggled to take part in it appropriately right because he he couldn't follow the, the discussions he could absolutely follow the teaching of what the Bible you know the Bible was saying and we, and yeah, we could yeah. re, you know reframe that and explain that but then, of course, adults, we just slip into how we talk about things. And then that would just go right past him. And I felt really um, that he needed something where the level of discussion and interaction and getting to grips with what the message was, was going to be in a more concrete way. And um, with other people who were closer to his age and closer to his understanding and uh, where he's at with his faith, rather than 50 year olds who were kind of, you know, parents age so we just started that off and it's great it's really great and the one of the things I think about if you find people that want to work with youngsters with or adults with special needs is you at least have the humility to realize you're going to learn from them because they will have stuff that you don't know God will reveal himself to them God will use them and gift them to bless you and I don't mean that at all in a patronizing kind of way I mean it in a real way in a real Christian brother and sister kind of way, they will teach you back and bless you um, and demonstrate stuff about God that you just won't be able to know because you are different, you know, everybody's different. So that's something to look out for if you're looking for people to um, work alongside folks and support and to remember that actually they're gonna, they're gonna give you back more than you will um, be giving to them. I think that's a really important point to expect to be impacted by them mm. as much as you hope to impact mm. like their faith to impact your faith as much as you hope yours impact yeah. theirs yeah um, I think that's really really important um in the previous in one of you know in a previous episode um I spoke to Benice from Wave and she was talking about the importance of supporting parents and the whole family mm. and we, we did touch on that earlier um am I right in thinking you've been running a Saturday group through lockdown um yeah like mums or for parents um, we started off I don't know two or three years ago I suppose um with um two or three mums uh 
we were at church together and um, our situation is a little bit different to other people's situations. Our challenges are a bit different. Uh, and we wanted to reach other moms that perhaps didn't have faith or were struggling in our church or were full of joy and you know so we started meeting in cafes um in a cafe and um called us our saturday moms and we're now i think 12 um wow. and from different churches and um we we're on zoom now uh which makes it easier because um a couple of our moms are um are on their own they're single moms and that means that we used to, I used to organise childcare, like so, to run around the park with these kids while we were um, having our coffee. Uh, of course, now we're just doing it from our living room. So that's, Zoom has actually helped us in that way a little bit. That's a really important point you just mentioned though, that in order to, you, you enabled the, that, that mum, that single mum, those single mm. mums, to have what was probably 60 minutes of mm. child free time in that mm. week to you as a parent that has a child with additional needs you wouldn't think about that and that would be a normal thing that you'd want to facilitate but I just just want to point that out that uh, you facilitated some childcare, and that wasn't wasn't like babysitting they were in the park next to the cafe everyone could see everyone and they were just playing so that mum could drink a hot drink and talk to some adults and I ju just want to highlight that that I think that's a really easy thing we can do to support parents is to just facilitate some child-free time um, in whatever safe capacity that looks like for that family. Um, so sorry, carry on, Helen. No, good. And actually, that's, that, that idea is bounced another one, which is the one that stopped me from um, <laughs> kind of going over the edge was uh, uh, these two teenagers that have befriended Emma, my daughter. They looked after Emma for half an hour after the service had finished so that I could have a cup of coffee and talk to somebody because when I came to the church new all I did was you know me and my husband all we did was um follow Emma around the church building keeping her safe because she was a liability she would have been one of those ones she would have been that child leaving the building and running <laughs> to you know go shopping in town so um yeah so that's another another really key point because uh parents of children with additional needs get really isolated you might notice that they leave at the end of the service and don't stay for coffee mm. or they just spend all their time standing on their own or following their child around so that that's really helpful too I was recently in a situation where there was um it was it was two parents and uh the what the dad had gone and was having coffee after the service it was they'd obviously tag teamed and it was mum's turn um and she this this child he must have been eight or nine ish was playing quite happily with the other children um and was probably five meters from mum at, at all times but mum was following him like at no point did she get further away but wasn't interacting with him at all he was playing independently so i sort of clocked this and was like she clearly needs to be that close to him for some reason but as a result she's just following him and no one's with her so I just went and followed with her yes. and chatted with her um and essentially just walked alongside her around this church in laps and we just chatted mm. um we chatted about our weeks about nothing about the weather about I don't know anything that happened but then we got on to her children it turned out they he, her son had a machine in him somewhere that sent messages to a little thing in her pocket another little machine in her pocket 
and he's got really severe medical needs of some sort mm. and they always had to be within 10 meters of their son this machine did because it would bleep and tell them if something was going to happen um mm. so at no point could they be further than that from mm. their son mm. um which that's intense that is mm. very very intense um but she said that we're the first people like i was the first person they told that to um it's often a hidden world isn't it yeah and so and so we just followed we followed i followed them around and we just chatted and made friends we just happened to be moving at the same time <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's wonderful because you know you won't yeah i'm sure you do realize actually but um what a blessing that would be just to have a conversation that doesn't stop every 20 seconds as you move move around the building and and for someone to actually put a cup of tea in your hand because you wouldn't have been, if you were on your own you wouldn't be able to stand in the queue and get a cuppa mm. i have to fetch it for you and yeah. uh, oh what a blessing yeah alex we've had everything we've chatted about obviously has been in the context of htl which is um a, a, a big city church mm. um for those listeners that are in a rural church that don't have 70 people on their <laughs> rotors um what what they, yeah they don't have people they might not have big space big budgets um what what is transferable what is transferable when you're assessing a need how, how do you go about tackling it what's the thought processes behind it that actually are transferable regardless of space money team yeah i i think actually there's a, a lot which is transferable because although we operate at a scale everything uh which we've talked about has been based around the individual. And I think in some ways it's easier for a small church to see the need of the individual than the large church. I think it's easier to get lost in the large church. Um, but it's about, it's that sort of idea of a, it takes a village to raise a child, but mm. it takes a community to, uh, to work and support a family uh, when they've got children of additional needs. And so it's about then, uh, like Helen said, the, the couple of, uh, teenage girls, late teenage girls who really became good friends of Emma and supported Luke and Helen by looking after uh, Emma after the service. That uh, was was gold. And mm. that could have been a church of only 10 people. Mm. Still that, that couple of people who say, yeah, we'll take the initiative, we'll get involved with this. What is it we can do to enable you to uh, all participate and I think it's about looking after the family not just looking after the individual mm. and so that whole family it has needs because one individual has needs mm. you're going to say something Emily it was I just what's coming through is is friendship and relationships mm. that's I think that's the theme that's ran through this entire episode actually is is friendship being authentic yeah. building that relationship um and just getting alongside what's already going on either in the church or in a family and just getting alongside that and journeying with them yeah. um, another thing which uh, i wanted to mention earlier because uh, we were sort of hoping to slip in about the church building project and you were wanting to know what hmm. inclusion measures we'd done there and again really the the main thing is that we've put up screens elsewhere which means that people can access what's going on inside the building elsewhere and we've uh, got rid of all the steps on the ground floor so that now it's uh, very easy to uh, negotiate with a wheelchair uh, widened doors things like that but whilst all the work was being done on the building uh, 
the church um, released its mission or communities. And uh, again, this might be a phrase which is uh, unfamiliar to some of you, but Holy Trinity is, is a strange church in that it is a church of several hundred, but also it's an umbrella organization for lots of smaller uh, churches of missional communities. And pretty much everyone within Holy Trinity is part of one of these missional communities. And they are about 20 people large uh, or small. Uh, and they uh, have, each one of them operates is its own entity. And my wife runs one of those, which is called Greenlight. And it's uh, a community which is uh, caring for the environment, uh, really taking on board God's love for the world and wanting to reach out missionally to people in the secular world who care for the environment uh, as well. And when uh, the church building was closed and they uh, all the missional communities were meeting outside, many of them met in pubs or met in a, uh, a community building or something like that. But my wife took the opportunity to launch Forest Church and we ran Forest Church uh, for six oh, months. Oh, so exciting. Uh, it was just brilliant. Uh, coincidentally though, in her community Greenlight, there were uh, two children uh, who have additional needs. And what was fascinating for me was to see that in that setting, mm. uh, whereas uh, within our sort of institutionalized kids groups that we thought would be just perfect for all kids, <laughs> these, these guys really uh, sort of struggled to uh, be involved and needed a one-to-one -one alongside them and time out and a lot of uh, additional inclusion work. Uh, within the forest church setting, they were just so involved and they were involved with the whole community and they were able to participate in the forest church activities uh, which were, were going on. And uh, there were people there who were uh, in their 60s and there were these guys uh, down to, to like two and three year olds uh, and everyone was together and it didn't feel like it was something which was bolted on it felt like it was in the web and weave of everything uh, so oh, that makes my heart so happy <laughs> oh that's so lovely and you know like it goes back to what we were saying about sermons earlier you you make changes for one or two people you think actually they're going to benefit absolutely everybody yeah. so you changed your location um because you know you have to and it was the pandemic you changed the location you thought we'll make the best of it actually it really benefited that whole group of people and all of a sudden they were a unit they were one as opposed to like you said bolted on or not really getting to access something fully they were suddenly one church family um mm. And yeah, that's kind of kind of goes back to the sermon. If you if you make a couple of changes that you think might be for five or six people, it's going to benefit absolutely everyone, even if you don't realise it. That's right. And so I think that, again, also going back to your original point of in the small church, I think it's sometimes easier to to work out. Yeah. What can we do that fits all 20 of the people that are part of our community rather than trying to accommodate 300? which uh, is much harder to remember everyone's needs and to accommodate all of those things in one go. To close, I like to ask everyone the same podcast, uh, the same question at the end of the podcast. Um, so feel free to both answer it, one of you answer it, 
pass it off to someone else, <laughs> that's fine. Um, why is it everybody's responsibility to be aware and to include? I think he needs to answer it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I think it's everyone's responsibility because we're called to be like God. We're made in his image. We should respond like him. And he is inclusive of all. He sees uh, all of our needs and he accommodates and um, came for each one of us. And so that is that is why we're all valued by him. We're all loved by him. He doesn't make these uh, uh, th these differences that we do. Uh, and so we need to all, all include. Um, yeah, I remember I had a picture when Emma was a baby uh, and I was still suffering from having some times of great sadness about her having Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I saw these enormous hands holding Emma as a, as a tiny baby and a sense of the huge love that God had for her. And uh, that is true of everybody, mm. everybody. And if those people that we think are um, challenging in some way or don't fit in in some way or we have to go an extra step for in some way gosh you have, people have to go an extra step for me because I'm so disorganized but um then there are people missing from our family there's people missing if then if they're not there and there's a lot of people with additional needs who are missing and have not heard the gospel and are not hearing the gospel and in a God loves them the way that I saw he loved Emma then he's heartbroken over that. So that's why I think we need to play our part in reaching yeah. them. And, and like uh, Helen mentioned earlier on, um, the people with additional needs in our church bring such blessing to us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been uh, blessed massively by Marcus praying for me. He's brought words, uh, prophetic words for me that have been uh, really useful within my walk with God. Um, and um, uh, Emma's also just the, the amount of uh, love and affirmation uh, which she gives to people is just fabulous. So lots of different people, I could go on you know, with one after another, but I don't wanna start naming more names and so forth. But uh, yeah, it's not also just about why we should, it's about releasing uh, what people can bring. Yeah, yeah, completely. Thank you so much. That's that's perfect. I can't think of a better way to end this episode. Um, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disability in the Church podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, then you can head to the Diocese of Leicester website and search Disability Resources for Churches. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time. Bye.